the real success has come from finding people who feel passionate, as I do, about potential, which is ultimately what we're identifying in the candidates that we that we work with. And we love delivering high potential people for our clients. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Elaine Tyler. Elaine is the CEO of Venetrix, based in London. She founded the business in 2015. They specialize in recruiting and training SDRs for SaaS companies. They have quite a unique service offering, which combines assessment, placement, and training. So basically, they identify high-caliber sales development representatives and introduce them to fast-growing tech companies. Because the candidates are typically entry-level, Venetrix also deliver a nine-module virtual sales academy to accelerate the impact of the new hires. Super interesting. Elaine, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Brilliant. So um, you introduced me by Avid from Recruitment Entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Uh, so thanks, Avid. Shout out to you for, um, for the introduction. I've heard great things about you. Um, how did you get started in recruiting? Um, so I actually started my career in recruitment 14 years ago now. Um, so I left university where I'd studied business management at Leeds University. I went to go and see a recruitment organization about them finding me a role. Um, I knew it want, I knew I wanted it to be something sales focused. Um, when I met the recruitment company, they were like, we're hiring. Uh, would you consider an opportunity in recruitment? And from the people that I met there, I really liked their energy and the way they spoke and how direct they were, essentially. Um, so, yes, I was I was taken by the opportunity. Uh, and that was the beginning of my recruitment career. Fantastic. Awesome. And uh, what were the biggest things that, you know, you learned or enjoyed about recruiting in the early days that kind of, because a lot of people start their career in recruiting, but you've been doing it a long time now. So what was it that hooked you and like made you a, a lifer? Yeah, for sure. So I had an experience that's probably really relevant for anybody who's starting out in their career in recruitment right now, because I started work in 2008, September of which was the beginning of the credit crunch. So Absolutely. I literally started my first permanent job. And then two weeks later, the whole world felt like it fell to bits from a financial and career perspective anyway. Oh my goodness. Um, I was, yeah, I was working in this company and we placed salespeople um, and focused on junior level positions. Uh, and all of a sudden, every single hiring manager had absolutely no requirement for those type of people because they presented a bit of risk, needed training, investment, et cetera. Um, so the company that I worked for downsized quite rapidly, um, but I had the benefit of a great manager who pretty much had seen a little bit of spark in me, a bit of potential, a bit of desire and said, you know, listen, shall we work together on this and shall we build this company in this new environment together? And I was like, you know what? Yes, I think I'm committed to this and I probably didn't have any of the choices anyway because it was 2008. Um, and just as people weren't hiring salespeople, they probably also weren't hiring people in my position. So um, that really captured my imagination and I felt so passionate about uh, building that business back up from what it had just experienced. I was given lots of responsibility 
and lots of autonomy and got to work in a great partnership with the person that I was managed by. Um, he inputted loads of time, energy and effort into me. So I'm like forever thankful for, for him. A uh, big shout out to you, Steve, if you're listening. And um, that really kind of developed my skill set to become very commercially astute in the early days of my career in its kind of entirety. Um, and I loved the fast paced nature. I loved the reward. Um, I loved the the part of it where, you know, there, there is a certain amount of unpredictability when you're dealing with individuals and candidates that you're working with that obviously presents a risk factor. And you know, throughout all of my time in all of those 14 years, I've never got bored of that. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's kind of what captured my attention about recruitment specifically. Wow. That's a great story. Um, <laughs> and well, yeah, 2008, I remember very well, uh, it was not fun. Um, and yet we're, I'm still here, you're still here. So we obviously got through it. What, how did you navigate that challenging period? The reason I think is relevant now is because, you know, there's a lot of, fear and uncertainty about the current economic situation, what, how things are going to develop in 2023 and so on. So some lessons from that enabled you to be successful then I'm sure would be appreciated by other recruiters, you know, potentially going into another recession. Of course. So um, you need to be, of course, aware of the big picture, uh, economically in the know and understand the news but realistically, you need to control things on your micro level. So control the controllables. Um, you can't stop there being a recession. Neither can your manager. Nobody can. Um, so the question is, what is in within, you, within your jurisdiction on a day-to-day -day basis that's going to lead you to success? So, you know, at that time, it was how many target companies are we going to identify where there could be an opportunity that they could be hiring because of X now? what is going to be the volume and caliber of outreach to those businesses that is then going to um, translate into potential recruitment opportunities. Now, how are we going to win those opportunities? And ultimately, you know, not letting the worry, concern and uncertainty get the better of you. Um, and yet yeah, it just gave me such a fantastic foundation. So even though it might feel painful now, if you are out there in the early stages, if what I'm saying resonates with you, it is actually a great time to start your career because it's going to teach you such fantastic habits that will pay dividends in, 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 in more stable times. That is a terrific answer. I think that's the best answer I've heard to that. I've asked a few people that question. Um, I totally agree. Like focus on what you can control and mm -hmm. not worry about the things you can't control. That's a very stoic mindset actually. And, you know, stoicism is, dear to my heart because the resilient recruiter is about is about that right like focus on what you can control manage your own uh mindset attitude behaviors actions uh decisions those are the only things you can really control right and uh and then try to worry less about the things that ultimately you can't really you can't really control so yeah, yeah. if you have the if you're 
we work in a contingent environment. So we work on a no placement, no fee basis. So if you are lucky enough right now to also be recruiting with that offering to your clients, uh, then actually when you're presenting that to clients, as I did in 2008, you can really present to your decision maker about how they're, they're, they're following your process is completely risk-free until they get results. And actually that is like a proven strategy in terms of selling in, in a recession or when economic confidence is down because there just isn't that risk on their shoulders. You have to impress Good in point. order to get the fee. Yeah. Good point. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me, uh, it's interesting because it's the people you're placing like SDRs, um, there's an element of those candidates are similar profile to what we might look for as a trainee recruiter, right? So is there a, like, how do you decide, you know, who you're going to present to your clients and who you're going to, you know, come and join your company? Sure. Um, so there's lots of, there's lots of similarities between the individuals that we both place and hire, outgoing, big personalities, memorable, driven, determined, focused, hungry, eager to learn. Um, I guess the difference between being an SDR and becoming a talent executive, which is the entry-level position in Venetrix, is that you are neither helped nor hindered by a product or solution. So um, ultimately, for the people that we hire into our business, we are looking for them to uh, act as an extension as the, of the ethos of our company and the service that we've decided to provide. Whereas if we place you as an SDR, uh, you are actually present, uh, representing a product or a platform or some kind of solution. That can help and hinder you. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you, maybe your sales skills are not in, in that specific call as an SDR. We're not the best ever, but your platform's great. So your uh, decision maker goes for it. It can hinder you. Maybe the product isn't as good <laughs> as you are as a salesperson, but that is a different dynamic from selling a service because ultimately what we're asking our talent executives to do, and as all recruitment consultants do, uh, for the most part, we're taking something to the market that's conceptual. So yes. that involves, uh, that involves like um, really being able to explain something and then to and fro on the questions when the outcome isn't necessarily obvious or you can't point to like a specific demonstration or, you know, get out a platform or something like that, basically. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it must be easier to sell a product, right? Because you can demonstrate it. You, The client can experience it. They can see it, touch it, you know, um, it's, it is more tangible and what we're selling is a, a more abstract. Um, I think that's, I think that's a lot harder. Yeah. Well, I think it depends who you are because you okay. can be hindered by a product. Um, whereas, well, that's true. you know, the, the difference is, is obviously when, when we're talking to our candidates and clients, um, their results are going to be based upon our effort. And, and the only person, the only thing that can hinder that is us. So actually, you're in full control of the potential results that you could deliver, um, certainly from an effort perspective uh, that you might not get if you were selling a product or, or solution. That's a good way of looking at it. On the other hand, you've done something clever, which you've almost productized your service because it's not simply, oh, we're going to recruit great salespeople for you. You've actually created a value proposition that is a little bit more tangible and differentiated from just a g generic recruiting service. So I think that's clever because it gives the, um, it makes it easier to sell and also it makes it easier for the 
decision maker to understand exactly what you're going to be delivering and what the potential impact is for their for their business. So um, I like the way you've done that. Tell me how uh, then I think in 2015 you launched the company. What why did you decide to hook up with James Kahn and, and join Venture Recruitment Entrepreneur? Um, so I was a director of the company that I mentioned that I joined in 2008 uh, by the time I met the team from Recruitment Entrepreneur. Um, so I joined there in 2008. It was obviously 2015, so I've worked there for seven years. Um, I was really enjoying my time there. And ultimately, by the coincidence of me searching for high profile events in the recruitment industry, networking events, I ended up meeting James Kahn at an event. And he was ultimately talking about the recruitment entrepreneur offering, which is where they team up with talented individuals who are successful recruitment recruiters in their own right, but also have the desire, passion and enthusiasm to want to potentially build their own entity. Um, and James and I ended up speaking directly after he'd given a talk to a room full of uh, potential recruiters and potential entrepreneurs. Uh, and he said, you know, why don't you consider this and maybe put to, put together a plan for our strategist? Now, it hadn't been something that was immediately in the top of my mind. I was 29 years old and I had had the feeling that something in my career was set to change and that I needed like a new challenge um, and that I wanted to perhaps uh, expand the path that I was heading down. So as the opportunity presented, I obviously grabbed it with both hands. Um, first draft of my business plan was obviously completely ridiculous um, <laughs> because I was so enthusiastic to make it be so successful so quickly. Um, but I worked with the strategists from Recruitment Entrepreneur. They allowed me to understand what that might look like realistically. Um, and then we obviously went through some um, sense checks of understanding if we were going to be great partners in a joint venture uh, and if our kind of cultures and, and, and vision matched. And ultimately, I managed to impress them and I felt comfortable with them. And then, yeah, Venetrix was born. Um, it turns seven on the 5th of October. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, seven years. <laughs> so um, just before we move on, you mentioned this business plan. What was it about your initial plan that was unrealistic and, and what modifications did you make in order to for it to be something that they could get behind? Yeah. Um, I mean, it just basically had too many people in too soon. And, um, you know, based, based upon, based upon me being enthusiastic, never having put in a business plan together, I was like, of course, this is just going to happen. And we're going to hire all these people and it's going to explode. And we'll have a workforce of like a hundred people by the end of the first year, which I know <laughs> could be done. Um, but I think, you know, realistically, one of the things that I've definitely learned over my journey over the past seven years is that, in order for your new people to have a great experience of joining your business and to then be successful quickly, you've got to retain that culture. Yes. And that happens slowly. It's like an osmosis out from the core. And it's a bit like a spinning planet. And you start with, you know, you as the CEO, perhaps at the center, and then you start to, you know, pull in some gravitational forces that start to form your SMT management team, right? So, um, it's there, it's then the momentum of you all heading in the right direction, seeing the same vision, sharing the same ethos that that then filters out to the more junior people. And uh, yeah, I don't know if uh, I was perhaps uh, a bit naive to that concept when I put my very first business plan together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's 
I think it's it's good to be super enthusiastic and passionate, right? Because that's what gets you through the challenges and the setbacks. Video interviewing has been part of mainstream recruitment for over a decade now. But have you figured it out yet? Video interviewing certainly looks good as part of your recruitment service. It gives you the appearance of being a cutting edge recruitment business owner on the front line of technology. But is it paying its way? Are you getting more new business, more repeat business because you're using video interviewing? Or is it starting to look more like a financial drain on your recruitment business? Our sponsor and trusted partner, iIntro, has a solution for this. Their video interviewing is just one part of a complete suite of recruitment tools, so you don't need to spend a fortune on yet another tech platform. Everything you need is included in one package. Additionally, they provide training for your recruitment firm to make sure you're using the technology to the best possible effect for your existing clients, as well as how to use it to attract new clients. If you're thinking of investing in video interviewing, don't take another step until you've requested your free demonstration from iIntro. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retain to book your free consultation. See for yourself how to use video interviewing to get a true return on your investment. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. So fast forward to today, seven years later, what's the sort of size and shape of the business now? Mm -hmm. um, so we're 11 people in total. And we are successfully placing about 40 people a month. So wow. it's a high okay. volume organization. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, it is... Uh, very successful in terms of the portfolio. So we obviously have the um, great benefit of working in an environment with 30 other recruitment businesses. Um, we appear second for revenue um, and we also have a really high marker for a number which we call productivity per head, which is the actual activity of per consultant um, on a monthly basis. Uh, so given that we actually operate in a very high volume environment with what could be called comparably low fees in the context of how much people can charge for a placement, um, the team are exceptionally productive. Um, and actually, you know, set the benchmark in terms of what can be achieved per consultant on a monthly basis. Absolutely. So what you're saying is it's it's not a huge team, 11 people, but they are mm -hmm. outperforming in terms of like the actual productivity that you're getting from the team you've you've got. Um, yes. Which ultimately is way better than having a big team who are underperforming, right? Because, you know, that the the uh, the dynamics of what you've described is. Um, is ideal. So 40 placements a month means that each person is basically doing four, four deals a month. So like mm -hmm. a, basically yeah. a placement a week. Is On that average. a, is that a, yes. Okay. Yeah. And Amazing. I would also say that, um, yeah, I'd also say the iteration of Venetrix that exists now is almost like Venetrix Mark two, because, okay. um, after COVID we, well, during COVID because of COVID, we ended up changing our business model. So as oh. you identified, we assess candidates on behalf of our businesses and we run for them bespoke events. Uh, we used to do all this in person. Oh, so see. what happened then is that it would take a lot longer and um, you know, it would kind of take all day to do what we can now do in a couple of hours. Um, so as you can imagine, in COVID, we kind of had this situation where we had to completely flip our business model. Um, we also had to... Um, you know, work with the team to keep the right people in the right positions and then move on and grow again from there with a new kind of uh, approach to the market. Absolutely. So 
once you figured that out, it sounds like that actually was a beneficial change to your business in the sense that you're able to achieve more in less time. Yes. It automatically made the business more scalable. Fantastic. Um, tell me about these events. Like I know you have, uh, you do a lot of really good things for marketing. We'll talk about LinkedIn in a, in a minute, but um, what are the sort of events that you're hosting for SDRs in order to really um, build uh, what I what we call a talent community? Like you have an, an ecosystem, you have like a network of people that you're um, nurturing and building relationships with. Uh, how do you do that? So a big part of the service that we present to our clients and our candidates alike is that we're not simply about making the placement and then leaving that person and that company to kind of thrive on their own. So uh, one part of the community piece is the Sales Academy, which you referenced earlier, where candidates will have the opportunity to meet other people who are in the same position as them in another business. Now, if you uh, think about the type of companies that we work with, which are obviously fast growth SaaS companies, for some of these candidates and some of these companies, this is their first SDR. And that person right. is doing the tough job of maybe launching the SDR function in the UK for a, an American SaaS organization that's just recently opened its first UK office. So that can be a tough and lonely job. Um, you know, the, lots of the dynamics of an SDR role are similar to a, a BD role in recruitment. So yep. lots of cold calling, outreach, potentially lots of uh, rejections having to think of creative ways of getting hold of customers and then capturing their attention. So the training that we offer is in a formal environment, virtual uh, virtual on Zoom, uh, structured and delivered by a live sales trainer, but with the opportunity to discuss methodologies and ideas that have been successful for you and the others in, in, in the classroom. So first of all, there's this kind of like small groups there where the candidates are going to have the opportunity to meet one another. Um, on from that, we sponsor and help host and organize two networking events in London. So one of them is called SDRs Anonymous. So this will typically be attended by up to 50, well, between, sorry, 50 and 100 SDRs in the London community. Uh, we do a different format each time. Um, so we will invite potentially a speaker who has successfully scaled their SDR career and been promoted to maybe come and talk about how they did that. Uh, we might have a cold calling expert or somebody talking about objection handling and basically giving their candidates an opportunity to meet one another, network and gain some knowledge. Um, then we also sponsor another event, which is called Sales Confidence. And on a quarterly basis, we will invite between 100 and 200 SDRs uh, to join one of our events where we invite five people from the community to take to the stage and give a seven minute speech about what they practically do. Um, so what we're looking to do here is basically provide the formalized formal environment where candidates can learn from a trainer with one another. Then we've got the you know expert advice, guidance route, and then we've got the peer-to-peer -peer learning. And ultimately, that's what makes up what we like to call our post-placement support um, and gives individuals who are maybe taking their first step in their career uh, some knowledge, confidence, support to be the very best that they can be. Elaine, this is genius. This is such a cool uh, thing. I've not ever really seen this before. So your virtual sales academy, is that 
like uh, an add-on or is that included in your placement fees and stuff? Included in the fee. So it's free wow. of charge. And okay. yeah, for our, yeah, for our clients, you know, we work with lots of different SaaS organizations that are at different stages of their own development. And some of them need yeah. to lean on it. Some of them have their own programs internally. Uh, but ultimately, the reason why we have that offering in place is that no matter who a candidate lands a role with, whether it be a small company or a larger company, they can have the confidence that through Venetrix, they're going to get exposure to some structured sales training that's going to yes. allow them to be successful quickly. Fantastic. What I'd like our listeners to do is to think, how could you like, okay, if you don't place SDRs, you might think, oh, well, that's good for Elaine's business, but that doesn't apply to us. Uh, hopefully people are smart enough that they can extract the concept and think, how could we enhance our service offering to differentiate our business from our competitors and also provide more support to both clients and candidates in order to maximize the likelihood that our candidates we place are going to be successful with our client companies. Um, you've done such a brilliant job with that. So um, I know that you guys also do a lot in terms of building a brand on LinkedIn. Could you tell me about your, your strategy around that? Yes, I can. So it might shock you to learn that we only hired our first official marketing person two months ago. All right. Excellent. <laughs> um, because, you know, a lot of the conversations that we have, the kind of anchor for them with both candidates and clients is we've seen you on LinkedIn, we've seen all your marketing, et cetera. Right. And that's been going on for, for many years. So that whole process came from the team, the sales team. Okay. And it happened, yeah, it happened very organically. And I think the reason why it works so well and the reason why it has become part of our brand personality and that people were kind of famous for it on LinkedIn is that it is so authentic. Nobody, nobody told anybody to start doing videos. It just came naturally as part of the energy of our business. And then um, we all kind of subscribe to it as part of our brand personality. And now everyone's involved in it. And before you apply for a job at Venetrix, you kind of know that that's what it is that you're going to be doing. So it appeals to people who think that they would be able to generate value from presenting themselves on LinkedIn. So it's a great way for us to um, prospect the passive market of candidates because for each consultant in the Venetrix team, we typically have an audience profile of connections of between one and 15,000 connections. Uh, so when you post a video, it gets between zero and 10,000 views. And obviously off the back of the content, which we work very closely with the clients with to really kind of pull out the saleable facts um, about the business that are going to attract high caliber potential SDRs. Um, ultimately, that's kind of what drives the engagement and makes the videos successful. I love this. So um, <laughs> we, it, in our coaching program, Elaine, we uh, really focus on um, posting original content on LinkedIn, be that videos or other types of, uh, of content. And um, it's a lot of fun. And in our community, people, we use a, a software called Shield. Have you come across that? It's an um, no. analytics tool. Definitely check it out. It's an it's a it's a okay. SaaS software for um, tracking your performance on LinkedIn. And yeah. so we have all of our clients in one 
group on Shield so they can see how often each other's posting, what engagement they're getting, how many impressions they're getting, and they can like they can we have like a league table so they can go, you know, holy cow, Elaine's like video got 8,000 views. I'm going to go and check that out. And they also can inspire each other like to for ideas for different, you know, types of content. Um, so and it just creates a bit of friendly competition as well. Um, so it's something we definitely believe in. But what's cool about what you're doing is you're getting the whole team involved and behind it. So it's amplifying like that brand times 11 um, like you're getting an exponential impact in the marketplace. I think this is a mistake a lot of recruitment companies make is there's there's maybe one or two people who are kind of like posting on LinkedIn, but um, it's not really adopted by everybody. And it's not like a, it's not a team effort. It's very individual. Uh, so you're really maximizing on that. Yeah, um, like a top tip to try and achieve that is that it has to be led from the front and the leaders and the most senior people in the business. Yes. You will see that, you know, our kind of leader and most senior people in the business meet are uh, Saskia and Sophie. And, you know, we post a lot and have that consistency. So then yes. that obviously motivates the more junior people in the team to think, right, okay, that's what it is that I've got to do in order to, um, you know, grow through the company and be successful and et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. I mean, that goes for pretty much everything that you want to people to do is you have to lead by example, right? Uh, it's a bit like my kids do not listen to what I tell them they do. They watch what I do, right? <laughs> so um, I'm trying and I can encourage, I can push them to do whatever, but it's not going to, it, it ultimately, unless that motivation comes from them. So all I can do, like, I just try and be a role model, like I'm very active. I run and I work out, and uh, instead of telling them you must do this, which they're they're not going to listen to, um, and it it works a lot better than forcing people to do things. Exactly, <clears throat> um, control the controllables. <laughs> yes, that's a bit of a theme today. Um, what have you been able to sort of quantify the ROI from posting content on LinkedIn? Because that's always the objection. Like some people are skeptical and they're like, uh, that's just, that's going to take a lot of time. And I don't know, you know, if it's worth it. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's quite difficult to actually capture and really understand it. Because if you think about it, it's very similar to ads on Instagram. So you see an advert on Instagram, you see it once, you see it twice, you see it three times. Maybe you click on it and buy it, or maybe you go to the shop and buy it. So th there's that exactly. element to it. So we can't control exactly which channel that they come from. But we do know that we make um, the most amount of placements that we make via candidate referral, testament to the talent team and the hard work that they put into giving every candidate, whether we do or don't place them, an exceptional candidate experience. Um, we've got a 4.8 out of five star review on, Glassdo on Glassdoor. And really? given that we're a recruitment company that places really junior people into their first job, that is an exceptional achievement. Um, so that's our biggest source of placements. Then after that, it's kind of like LinkedIn grouped. And that can be yes. LinkedIn messaging, LinkedIn videos, you know, uh, CV sent via LinkedIn. Um, and then after that, it's kind of like job sites and the more boring stuff. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool that you do that. Um, 
while we're on the topic, uh, you mentioned your 4.8 um, star uh, rating on Glassdoor. Can you talk a little bit, like, was that is that as a result of a conscious strategy? What is it you're doing there that you think is reflected, mm -hmm. you know, in your Glassdoor ratings? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think, first of all, shout out to the BD team for providing great opportunities for us to recruit for, because a big part of our um, strategy is making sure that we are working with companies where they are attractive to candidates. They've got strong leadership. They've got a proven career path. They've got training structures in place. And when we feel that we're taking that opportunity to market, again, we feel very authentically like it is going to be a good career opportunity for somebody. Now, um, that doesn't come easy. And you've got to dig deep to find those real gems of companies that are going to be stellar to recruit for. Um, so I think that you know one part of it is when, when the candidates land the job, they're like, hold on a minute, this is ace, which obviously makes them want to write a good review. Um, so that's kind of the business development. Um, that's the part that the business development team play in that. And then the second part, like I said, it, it is down to the interactions between the consultants at Venetrix and the candidates that they're working with. The candidates that we work with are typically skeptical because they are new to market candidates, possibly landing their first opportunity. They don't know what recruitment recruitment is. They don't know what recruiters are. Potentially, it sounds like a dark art. Why are you ringing me with this? It all sounds too good to be true. Hold on a minute. I've got to come and commit this time. You haven't told me the name of the company yet, etc. Why are all your adverts anonymous? And obviously, you've got to very quickly build trust um, with somebody that you're speaking to who's got all of those challenges going on in their mind and their job search. So I think the team are really good at getting on a level with people. They are very empathetic and they understand people's challenges and can see their um, POV in a job search and help kind of guide them through some of the misconceptions and misunderstandings about what it takes to get your first job. Um, and then they work really hard to help them achieve their objectives once they've understood what they are. Um, and, you know, in, 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 in a committed, uh, relentless, really kind of giving and supportive way and you know, when candidates have had that experience from Venetrix, um, I hope that's what makes them put fingers to keyboard and uh, essentially leave us a good review. Awesome. Uh, so, Elaine, is this what you described is largely down to the qualities of the individuals that you have at Venetrix? So how much of this is you've hired great people and how much is you have a process that is, you know, designed to deliver a great candidate experience? Um, so I think it's, I think it's the first one that we've had great people okay. yeah. because the process is only as good as the people you put in it. Sure. So, you know, if we, if we weren't finding those high potential individuals, we can run them through any assessment that you'd like, but it's not going to produce great candidates at the end of it. So I think that the, 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 the real success has come from finding people who feel passionate as I do about potential which is ultimately what we're identifying in the candidates that we that we work with. Um, and we love delivering high potential people for our clients. Um, you know, we love the feeling of catching up with a, a client, maybe, at, you know, one of our networking events or in a feedback call or a catch up call where they say, wow, 
so-and-so is absolutely smashing it. They don't know how good they are. We're sending them on the president's club. And, you know, in a few months time, we're going to be talking to them about their promotion. And, uh, you know, for our consultants, them understanding that they've had a hand in maybe doing that for 100, 200 people annually. um, That's obviously amazing. That is amazing. I agree. This episode is brought to you by Recruitment Entrepreneur. Recruitment Entrepreneur are the number one investor in startup and scale-up recruitment businesses globally. They've now launched in the USA and are looking to partner with experienced recruiters who are ready to build something for themselves. Founded by James Kahn, they've already invested in 45 businesses. When I interviewed James in episode 123, he shared a case study of how they helped a recruiter to start, scale, and sell his recruitment company for $12 million in five years. That company is called Walter James and they were acquired by ZRG. Could you be their next success story? To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. That's VC as in venture capital. Book a call with one of their investment directors and be sure to tell them that you were referred by me, Mark Whitby at the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. You mentioned something which I think is key is like this job is so much easier if you are representing the right clients that um, at every stage in terms of attracting and engaging candidates, but also making sure that they're going to be successful and they're going to they're going to have a good career there. Um, What's your criteria or how do you evaluate clients to know that they are going to be a good fit or good partners for you? Mm-hmm. So, um, essentially, the majority of the clients that we work with are Series A or B SaaS organizations that are, for the most part, investment funded. Um, so, what this means for those businesses is that they have successfully navigated the um, journey of creating a tech platform that has product market fit that people want to buy. And now they are looking for high impact salespeople to help them take that product to market. So, these companies are primed to make that investment into sales. They're ready to find great people, put them on training courses and give them a career path that they could potentially scale quickly because there's not very many people ahead of them in the queue. So if they've got that di- that, that, that dynamic to start with for the right person, that could potentially be a, a career accelerating opportunity. Um, then you know we qualify our, our clients as we're selling to them. So we're presenting to them, to, to them the Venetrix service you know, something that we might evaluate is how responsive are they to us? How do they talk about SDRs? How do they talk about the training program? You know, how are they talking about their own culture um, to give us a sense of like what type of managers and leaders that they're going to be? Um, and I think that then from there, the matches tend to come and finding who's going to be the right fit for which client uh, from the conversations that the candidates and clients have amongst themselves. And not everybody is the right fit for every business. Um, and I know it sounds very much like a process, but it doesn't produce cookie cut- cut- cutter results at the end of it. Um, it's different people for different businesses. And what might be a great opportunity for one person might not be for another, i.e. if there's minimal structure and that person really, that candidate is you know looking for an environment where they're going to have lots of structure, then a really small startup is not going to be ideal. Uh, but for the person who is ready to kind of be creative and wants to it wants to actually make and build then for that candidate it will would be right makes sense i get it um you alluded to the fact you've got 
your BD team. Could you describe mm -hmm. the structure at Venetrix and how the like what the different roles are? Sure. So um, we do 180 recruitment, okay. um, which means that the people who reach out to clients also sell to clients uh, in a sales meeting, also host that organization's assessment center, run the interview process, and then look after any uh, post-placement support, account management, etc. And then okay. we have the talent division, which these individuals are focused on digesting the job specifications that we're working on, um, understanding how they're going to take those opportunities successfully to market. Uh, they then obviously market the opportunities via the LinkedIn videos, um, working with our candidate community to generate referrals, job sites, inbound CVs, et cetera. Um, they are qualifying candidates through an initial CV screen and perhaps uh, introduction phone call before having a 45-minute consultation with the individuals that we think could be a potential fit for our process, trying to understand their background, their motivations, why they want to be in an SDR, expectations of the role and longer-term career opportunities, plus some logistical pieces around their job search uh, before they're then introduced to the assessment centre, which is ultimately where the two kind of parts to our business meet. So candidate meets client. Um, and then from there, the talent division helps support the candidate through their preparation process for any subsequent interviews that they have been asked to attend off their performance and assessment um, and also help them understand what is going to be a potential right fit company for them to select if they have the opportunity to get multiple offers, etc. Great. Love it. And why did you decide to do it that way? Uh, like what, what's the thought process behind that business model? Um, yeah, so the, I think the business model works because the SDR recruitment, the candidates that we work with don't necessarily have a skill set or something written on their CV or something in their background that suggests that they are going to be a great fit for this job and neither do our clients ask for it. So ultimately, being an, becoming an SDR is an, is, is an absolute leveler. You can come from many different uh, backgrounds, educational backgrounds, work backgrounds, whatever it may be. Uh, we tend to work with new, new to market SDRs, so individuals who have either recently graduated university or haven't attended university or maybe somewhere in their first zero to 24 months worth of work experience. It takes a lot of conversations to find the people who it is going to be a fit for. So having a team that are dedicated to do that constantly allows the people in that team to calibrate their understanding of what success looks like, keep the momentum going in terms of having that high volume of conversations, whereas perhaps a split focus between the two different parts of the role would um, uh, potentially distract from that and maybe not allow us to achieve the volume of outreach and conversations we need to have to successfully deliver for our clients. Great answer. That makes sense. Um, so, I mean, this in part explains the high productivity per person is you've you've got a business model that is designed to allow everybody to be as focused and productive as possible. But what else is going on here, Elaine? Like, why do you think, you know, um, Venetrix has is like the third highest revenue within the RE portfolio, even though you've got a relatively small team, what what other factors do you think, or success factors are there? 
yeah, second highest, but yeah. Second highest, um, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, I, I think that the, the, you know, the commitment across the team to um, working to a high standard and quickly is by part of our DNA. So, you know, we want to and feel very passionate about, and everybody does. And again, it's that kind of like from the, from the gravitational pull of the core and having a great um, SMT who are committed to high standards, but also delivering quickly. And that's quite a difficult balance to achieve in a high yes. volume, very yes. fast paced and dynamic environment, which ours is. Um, I, you know, I definitely think that it's the commitment to that um, which allows us to output at such um, an except, uh, you know, such an, an exceptional number. Um, we enjoy it. I certainly enjoy it. Um, we make it fun, and because you know, as we talked about earlier, we are conceptually selling a service. Our our salespeople, our consultants, I want that. Um, I want that element of us enjoying the roles that we do and us feeling that we're making a difference and us feeling passionate about it to come across in those initial phone calls, which ultimately helps us win um, candidates and clients and why they choose to partner with us, maybe over different companies that could be out there. I get it. That's cool. By the way, SMT, I'm extrapolating, means senior management team. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've not heard that acronym before, but uh, I get it. Um, you said two things, speed and, or I'm not sure if I'm paraphrasing here, speed, but also high standards. Could you just elaborate on what you, what you mean by both of those? Like what, what yeah. does fast service look like and what are the standards that you have in place to ensure that everyone is um, delivering at, a, you know, in a quality way? Sure. Um, so both uh, startups um, who are hiring, hiring managers, uh, CROs, so chief revenue officers, founders of startups are typically moving a against a, in their own high pressure environment where they are under pressure from their investors that they've maybe just received a large check from to start delivering results and they want to very quickly get their team in place. And uh, the potential SDRs that we're hiring for, if they're good people, um, they have like the half-life of uranium and they're going to get snapped up very quickly from the market if you don't work with them um, at a pace that's going to help them secure a job. So, you know, we're very kind of sensitive to that. Um, you know, we uh, we work very collaboratively in our team to control timelines and timescales with the BD team translating what the client's looking to achieve and the talent team working with the candidate to help them manage their expectations of what the timescales are going to look like. Um, so you have to be quick in this market. Um, it's not people on three months notice period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there a, like a company standard like we aim to provide three candidates within 48 hours or is that anything like as specific as that or like what what does is is it measurable yeah so well the companies the companies that we partner with will um have their very own event and then they meet the candidates immediately from there and then the ah, time scales are yeah so the, the the when their event takes place will depend upon depend upon when we and they can host it um on diaries and then from there we manage the process very quickly we upfront manage the can the client's expectations to know that, that that it's going to happen speedily after the assessment center um and then 
the candidates, because they are not tied into three months notice periods, et cetera, can normally start two to four weeks after that. So once you've had your assessment centre, you could be expecting to have your candidates in for day one, two to four weeks from the assessment centre taking place. Got it. Um, <clears throat> then in terms of, in terms of high staff, yeah, yeah, of course, can you? Yeah, so I, I do want to know about the standards. I failed to understand until right now that what your service entails is you are booking an assessment day for the client and then you're getting candidates to that event. Is that, am I, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. But is this a virtual assessment center or is it in person still yes. or how is that? It's all virtual? Virtual. Wow, Since COVID, really all virtual. Yeah. Okay. And, um, Okay, I might want to circle back to that because I'm still kind of wrapping my head around that. I think that's a really cool uh, concept. Talk to me about your standards then and how how do you measure like quality? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, the majority of roles that we register, we uh, appoint with a candidate, like 95%. It's unusual wow. for us not to successfully place the opportunity. So I guess that would be like one measure, but I, I think that find that different from like high standards. So um, having high standards in a team is like each individual having respect for one another. We, because we operate in this 180 environment, the, the way that we uphold high standards is because there is that teamwork element to it and and and, and a minimum of two and and could be up to four consultants could be involved in one placement we then each hold each other accountable because uh, i know if i am representing a client and i am operating it from the bd part of my role which i am still fully billing um individual um and i host my own clients and do bd um i know that i've got to my hand standards come from the fact that i've got to deliver to the individuals in the talent team a high caliber client to work with where i know all the details about where i fully qualified the job spec and you know all of those elements are present and correct and then equally from their side from talent side they're going to be coming with well-qualified candidates that they know all the details about about their other interview processes and their preferences and etc so i think that's uh, you know that teamwork dynamic helps drive that because nobody's an island got it so it's almost like <clears throat> i don't want to let my colleagues down so i'm going to do a really good job so that because you know otherwise yeah i i, I that that makes a lot of sense um how just so i understand your structure do the bd since the bd person is leading the client relationship and sort of overall responsibility. Do the talent team report to that person or do BD and talent sit equally within the business reporting to uh, another manager? Yeah, the latter. So okay. um, so we have, we have team leaders in the talent division, a head yeah. of um, talent lead. So head of the yeah. division for talent and then the BD side of the business, basically. So, yeah, Got it. Um, okay. because because it has it, you know, it's important to. As, as we want to um, create this real kind of niche understanding of each parts of the business, I think being fully invested in talent really helps you understand the challenges of finding the right caliber of candidates, what those candidates are having as their own personal challenges that we need to help them see through. So. That's why we structure it like yeah, that. That makes sense. You mentioned that you want it to be fun. How do you make it fun at Venetrix? Um, 
yet. So we make it very uh, collaborative and we um, uh, spend, so we spend Wednesday and Thursday in the office seeing one another. Um, okay. and you know, it's great to see the team. Those are the two days that we do in the, uh, working from the office for the rest of the week, people work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, on Fridays, we'll, we always do something which is called high five Friday, which, okay. uh, is our conclusion for the week where everybody on the call from our team has the opportunity to give a peer high five for somebody who somebody else from the business who's done something that has impressed them um so that's like a really nice way to round off the week and show appreciation um for your colleagues um we also like we have a monthly lunch team lunch where we'll head out to a lunch spot in london um hang out with each other grab some food some drinks if that's what you're up for um we have quarterly competitions. We recently went to Ibiza. We hang oh, out nice. with our investors. We go to all the events. Um, so I think it's just like got that vibe of being a quite a social, fun company and organization. And it kind of dovetails well with the market that we recruit for as well. So you'll also find us out and about with our clients, uh, candidates too. All right, cool. Yeah, I can see the social aspect and going to all these events would be would be fun. And the monthly lunch, do people need to qualify for that or does everyone go to that? How does that work? Everyone goes to that, yeah. It's a cool. team it's like a team lunch as opposed to something that you qualify for, yeah. Okay. All right. I love it. That's amazing. Um so what are your what's the vision for Venetrix, you know, going forward? Yeah. So, um we were um, we had a larger geographical focus before COVID, i.e. that we okay. work with companies across the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, in the wake of COVID, what happened in our market is that lots of SaaS organizations received a large amount of funding from um, VC, venture capitalists and PE private equity firms mm-hmm. that encouraged those businesses to rapidly build pipeline, i.e. hire lots of SDRs. So um, at that time, it made the most sense for us to focus solely on the London market because Mm -hmm. we had so many opportunities in London. Um, We are still working on that and there are still so many opportunities for us to capitalize on London. Um, But I think that once um, we get to a certain size of organization, which would be 15, 16 people, then we can start to look at other geographies where we could use the same model, uh, but apply it to uh, a different geographical reason, region to help expand our business. Interesting. So um, in other words, like master your local market first and then world domination second. Exactly. I love it. Um, Elaine, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I've really enjoyed learning about Venetrix and what you guys are doing. Yeah, it's been great. I've really enjoyed being here. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.